This is Radio Influence. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. Of course, I am your host, Vincent Hill, and today is Tuesday, June the 5th. That's right, I said it's June. Can you believe we're already six months into the year? And we're already at 28 officers killed in the line of duty by gunfire this year. Last year, we were only at 35 for the entire year. This year in June, we're, we're already up to 28 police officers killed in the line of duty. And I want to touch on that as we go along tonight. Uh, but first, I want to touch on and I'm going to combine this whole number of police being killed with some silly in my opinion, ideology that's coming out of California. Imagine that of all places. There's an Oakland church uh, that says they will not call the police because the police have been a social threat against black people in the community. And I find it really ironic that the people in this church, the majority of this church is Caucasian, but yet they're speaking up uh, for all things black. And they're saying things like that police only protect white people uh, when they show up. Now, this is a white church, again, in Oakland, California, uh, that is saying this. And I talked about it uh, this past Sunday on Fox, America's News headquarters. I was actually in studio in New York. I talked about it, of course, when you're on live TV, you only get about three or four minutes to get everything in. But here on my podcast, I can take as much time as I want And uh, I know that people will at least listen because you guys listen in droves and I greatly appreciate it. The numbers keep growing every week. The numbers keep growing every time I'm on TV. They plug this podcast and I think that brings in new listeners. So I'm really, really appreciative of that fact. But before I dive into all that, I got to share a story and I'm still trying to recuperate from the last 72 plus hours. Uh, I was scheduled to be on Fox and Friends Friday morning, 6.45 a.m., which I was. Um, But uh, my original plan was to fly to New York Friday morning, land at 7.30, uh, because originally Fox and Friends was not in the picture on Friday. So as you know, Fridays I host the Law & Crime Network, lawandcrime.com, and on Sirius XM Radio, and on Roku, and on your smart device, so there's no reason you shouldn't be watching Law and Crime. Anyway, I was scheduled to host Law and Crime from three to fri- three to five on Friday, like I always do. Thursday, I'm in the gym, trying to stay young, trying to keep my TV weight, trying to keep my boyish figure, and all of that good stuff. Um, I get a call: Hey, can you be on Fox and Friends six forty-five in the morning? Mm, I can't do it. I'll be in the air. Well, is there any way you can come in Thursday night? And be in studio Friday morning. So I think about it, I think about it, I check some flight rates and find a pretty reasonable one-way flight to New York. So I'm like, sure, why not? So I get to the, that Thursday was hectic. I had to get new business cards because I had a big meeting Friday with ABC that I wanted business cards for. It was hectic. I'm running to get business cards, running to pack, do all of this stuff. So I find this ticket, I get to the airport, the plane is supposed to leave at 8 o'clock. 
Well, 8 o'clock gets there, turns to, well, it's leaving at 9.50, 10.50, 11.50. So they canceled a the flight around 10.30. I guess the plane was stuck in um, Washington, D.C. because of weather. So, of course, I'm upset. I go home. Luckily, I didn't have to get a hotel. I just, you know, got back in an Uber. Uh, I'm sorry, on the train. Got to my car where I had parked it at the uh, train station. Came home. Went to bed at midnight because I still wanted to watch what was left of game one of the NBA Finals. Uh, So I go to bed at midnight, and the plan is, okay, Vince, go to bed at midnight. Wake up at 4.30, 5 o'clock. Get ready. Go do Fox. Because by this time, I'd already rebooked a flight to New York for 7.47 a.m. So I go to bed at midnight, and my brain at 2.22 wakes me up because there's a 100 things going on in my mind. Like, okay, I got to make sure I don't miss uh, Fox. I got to make sure I get to the plane on time because it's a very tight window. When you live in Atlanta, anybody that has been through Atlanta or knows anything about Atlanta, traffic is horrendous. And from Fox Studios to the airport is nine miles, but at any given time, that could take 45 minutes to an hour. So I get up at 2.30, couldn't go back to sleep, finally go do the Fox hit. I call an Uber. I said, hey, man, my flight leaves in less than an hour. Can you bust butt to get there? And I mean, I've been in some pretty high-speed chases, but I was white-knuckled in the backseat of this Uber ride. He gets me to the airport. Boom, I get through TSA. There's like thousands of people there. So I'm cutting through the line and I'm like, listen, I got to get on this plane, yada, yada, yada. I get through TSA and I'm like, perfect. I have 10 whole minutes before that plane leaves. So I'm running through there like this guy that killed his ex-wife and uh, her friend that used to have this commercial about these rental cars. So I'm running through the airport and uh, I get to the gate and there's like one guy standing there. And he has this puzzled look on his face. And it's 7.37. The plane was scheduled to leave at 7.47. He's like, nah, man, it's already gone. I said, what do you mean it's already gone? They're like 10 minutes early. He's like, I know. I missed the flight, too. They're already gone. So the plane had already left 10 minutes early. I don't know why. I didn't know you could do that. So there's another flight, 9.15. Keep in mind, I have a 12 noon meeting with ABC. 9.15 9.15 would get us there at 11.15 or 11.20. Of course, that flight gets delayed to 9.25. We don't take off to almost 10 o'clock. I land, it's like 11.28. So I had to call. I'm like, listen, I'm here. Flight's delayed. Please don't cancel this meeting. So I hop into Uber, and he hardly understood what I was saying, but I kept saying, dude, I have to be there by as close to 12 as possible. So at 12.25, I pull up. I still keep the meeting with ABC. Thankfully, uh, you know, there's there's talks about a new show on ID Discovery that they're interested in using me for. I'm very grateful and very blessed for that. So after that, by the time that meeting was over, I had to haul butt over to Law & Crime Network and host for three, uh, three hours. So by the time Friday came, Friday evening, I was so done. Remember, two hours of sleep. I get back to the airport, supposed to leave at 8.30. Flight's delayed. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I think I finally got home Friday night slash Saturday morning around 1.30. I slept for a few hours, had to get up and get ready for Fox again on Sunday because between Friday and Friday evening, 
they had contacted me and said, hey, can you be on uh, this Sunday at 4.15? So I spent one day in my apartment this weekend. That was Saturday. I was back on a plane on Sunday, Sunday morning. Thankfully, there were no issues with the flight going out. Did the thing on Fox, came back, got to the airport, no issues, got on the plane, got home at a decent hour Sunday night. And apparently um, there was a lot of feedback on Twitter about this story about this church in Oakland, which is the first congregational church of Oakland. That's what I was talking about this past Sunday on Fox. So they have come out and I believe the person that is leading this charge is one of the pastors, I believe, a Caucasian lady who um, says they will no longer call the police because the police are this state, basically the state terror group. They use nice words, but that's basically what it translates to with the only intention of killing white, uh, killing black people and preserving the lives of white people. This is what the church is saying. And they're also using biblical scripture and being kind of twisted with the scripture, uh, comparing what's going on. And they listed a bunch of names of uh, people that were killed by police. They they compared it to Jesus. They say Jesus was a brown man, which is debatable. There's always been that argument, whether it is, he is or isn't, whether you believe it or not, that's not the point here. So they say that, Jesus was a brown man who was considered crazy because they talked about mental health issues and how police respond to mental health. And the only thing they do is they come to kill people that are mentally ill. So they say Jesus was a brown man who was considered crazy, who was surveilled, harassed, arrested, and then killed for no other reason than not what he did, but who he was as a person. So they're using that to say that Anytime police are called on black males, they're going to be killed, not because of what they did, but simply because of who they are. So based on that, they're urging not only church members, but the entire community to not call the police. And one of the they they issued a statement on their Facebook. And one of the things they say is it's important to say that we are not anti-police, but pro-community. Well, I would say if you're saying that uh, police come in to kill black people and only preserve the lives of white people and you're spreading this division, I would say you are anti-police. But they go on to say that we recognize that police officers are human beings, many of whom join the police force because they earnestly wanted to serve their communities. However, the role of the institution of policing is to preserve law and order. And in this country, the prevailing order that is being preserved is one that serves white people at the expense of people of color and wealthy white people more than anyone. So in that statement, basically what they're saying is that police nowadays only come into black communities to do harm to black people and to preserve the wealth, the white privilege, I guess you could say, of white people. This is what this church, this church is saying. Now, many of you may know, many of you may not know that my dad is a minister. And, you know, I think the last time I checked, the church's job was to unite 
the community, not divide the community. And police are a huge part of any community you go to, whether it's a big city, a small city. Police are part of the community. Now, what this church is saying, they want to start having their own classes, which I'm in agreement with. Here's why. Because they want to have classes on violence prevention, which makes sense because you have less violence, you have less calls to police. Maybe you don't need to call the police because crime will go down. So I'm in agreement with that. And de-escalation. I'm in agreement with that. Conflict resolution. Yep. Retroactive justice, whatever that means. And mental health first aid and self-defense of self and community. Now, I'm in agreement with just about all of those, probably besides the self-defense of community, because we don't want vigil annies. We don't want Death Wish 3 starring Bruce Willis going on in the street. We definitely don't want that. I'm in agreement with, yeah, okay, maybe you should have violent prevention classes, de-escalation classes, conflict resolution classes. But here's what else you're missing. You can't do any of that without the police because at the end of the day, when the stuff hits the fan, most citizens aren't going to do what they were taught in their little neighborhood watch. They're just not going to do it, nor are they equipped to do it, nor when it comes down to it, will they have the guts to do it because they're not trained. You can have a little class here and there at your church, but they're not trained for real world situations. And not only that, let me flip it just a little bit. If I'm a criminal and I hear, oh, you guys aren't going to call the popo in a city that's ranked number 10 as the most dangerous city in the world, Oakland, California, Oakland, California, IA, and they have 700 or so robberies a year, almost 100 murders a year. That doesn't include the sexual assaults, the car break ins, the burglaries, the drug offenses. It doesn't include all of that. They have all of this. But now you say, don't call the police because we're going to handle it. So when a church member is sexually assaulted, how are you going to handle it? When a church member's home is broken into, how are you going to handle it? When that church member is robbed walking back to their car late at night, how are you going to handle it? What are you going to do? Are you going to go out and seek out the bad guy? Are you just going to go and pray and lay hands on the bad guy? It doesn't work that way. Because, again, if I'm a criminal and you're you're telling me you're not calling the police, man, it's free reign as far as I'm concerned in the city of Oakland right now. It's free reign for criminals to just do whatever they want to do to citizens of Oakland. That's the message that this church is sending, but they don't realize it because they're under this illusion that only black people get killed by police. They said it, that that policing only preserves the uh, white people at the expense of people of color, especially wealthy white people. So basically, this church is saying that police in Oakland, California, or I guess police just in general, they only discriminate in the black community. They only discriminate against blacks. Well, I can tell you who doesn't discriminate, and that's my friends over at Blue Chew. Guys, listen up. This is for you. You remember those days when you were always ready to go? 
Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in the bedroom. Take a listen. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So now, guys, you can be ready whenever that moment arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So guess what? No more in-person doctor visits, no waiting in a pharmacy, and best of all, guys, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we have a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment absolutely free when you use the special promo code BTB. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code B-T-B, to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Now, back out to Oakland in this this church out there, uh, the first congressional church of Oakland, and all of this, uh, they they say they want to divest from policing. And when I hear the word divest in the tone that they're using it, I think of another D word that is division. And I think of another D word, which is dumb, because you cannot keep law and order without police presence. It cannot be done. This is not the wild, wild west. This is not some movie. This is real life. And when things like a terrorist attack occur and things like, oh, I don't know. It's only happened a few times in this country where someone walks into a church and they start shooting and they have a mass shooting at the church. Are you going to call on the congregation to take on that gunman? I doubt it because this same church have has such liberal views that I doubt that anyone there is armed. So who are they going to call? They can call God. They can call Jesus like we all do. At times of trouble, we get to our knees and pray. But is he going to miraculously bring down some bulletproof vest? Is he going to miraculously have some shields in front of you? That's not how it works. I'm a strong believer in God. I'm a preacher's kid. But I know in real life situations, you can pray all you want. But who are you going to call if a Dylan Roof goes into that church? Who are you going to call if a shooter goes into that church or a terrorist group attacks that church or the city of Oakland? What are you going to do? Are you going to say, well, we don't want to call because you guys may come here and kill one of our black or brown brothers simply because of who they are, not because of anything they did. Is that what you're going to do? Now, I've said it before. I'll say it again. There's one reason we're in the situation. Well, there's a few. But the main reason we're in the situation we are now where churches like this and people across this country believe that there's this mass epidemic of white officers 
killing black males in the community, the black community, is because of the mainstream media. And remember, when it was the last administration, whether you loved them, hated them, voted for them, I don't know. Whether you loved, hate, voted for the current administration. During the last administration, anything that had to do with police, and this was the first time in history, anything that had to do with police in the black community, we heard about it from the White House and how it was wrong and how there was racial disparity and how it was this and how it was because this individual was black without anyone stopping to take accountability for everything like Alton Sterling the fact that he resisted and he had a gun and he was resisting officers with that gun and he wasn't under arrest he wasn't handcuffed when the officer heard when you heard the officer say gun 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 we didn't take that into account the only thing we heard was America should feel the pain of Alton Sterling's family well let's look at why this problem exists and persists to this day because it's under Reported. The facts are not reported in the mainstream media. And one thing that doesn't lie are numbers. Now, I'm not a great mathematician by any means, nor do I claim to be. My son, you know, does all that calculus and geometry and all that stuff. You know, you get me past eight plus eight and I'm done with my math. But in 2017, here's some numbers that you probably haven't heard 457 killed by police. Now that sounds like a lot. And then the other number is 223 killed by police. Now if you let certain mainstream medias tell this story, that 457 number had to have been the black community. And the 223 had to have been other, right? Well, no, that's not the case. 457 in 2017, 457 whites were killed by police. And 223 blacks were killed by police. Now, again, I'm not a mathematician, but if my math is halfway right, that means the uh, white males, white people in this country were killed at a rate double of what black males were killed but yet no one could say their names no one has seen a hashtag no one has protested no one has kneeled on the field during the national anthem for this racial and social injustice you know why they haven't done it because they haven't been told about it and the average person is not responsible enough not intelligent enough to go out and find facts for themselves and can we call these 457 cases of white people killed by police racism absolutely not that's why it hasn't been reported because it doesn't fit the narrative at the end of the day 99 percent of the 457 people killed by police were killed by white officers so what do we call those Oh, I know what we call them. We sweep them under the rug so we can politicize this whole issue, which wasn't an issue eight years ago. Because let's be honest, black people were still getting killed by police before and during President Obama. Guess what? They're still getting killed by police 
with President Trump. After President Trump is out of the office, black people will still get killed by police. Not because, like this church says, only because of who they are, but because of their actions. Police just don't show up to a scene and say, oh, it's a black person, therefore, I'm just going to kill him. Oh, it's a mentally ill black person, therefore, I'm just going to kill him. It doesn't work that way. Now, let's look at 2018, 47 and 23, 47 and 23. Again, that number is higher for whites killed by police in this country than blacks. If my math is correct, that's about a double rate again, double again in 2018. We're in June 2018 of whites being killed at a higher rate than blacks. But again, if you listen to the mainstream media and you listen to Al Sharpton and you listen to Benjamin Crump and all of these organizations, Black Lives Matter, this church, this first congressional church in Oakland, it only happens in the black community. That church even said that policing has turned to preserving the lives of white people in this country. Well, I would say that there's 457 family members that would disagree. And I don't see Colin Kaepernick with a T-shirt with all their names on it. I don't see any hashtags. I don't see any protest. I don't see any of this. But but this church, this is what they told. This is what they told the world because they did this press conference that police their job now is only to preserve the lives of white people. Well, what about these 457 white people that are dead? What about Dylan Taylor, who died three days after Michael Brown in Salt Lake City, Utah? Unarmed white kid, 19 years old. Who heard of him outside of the local news? Nobody. Colin Kaepernick didn't hear about him. The NFL didn't hear about him. Nobody heard about him because it doesn't fit the narrative of what's fashionable right now in this country. And people don't realize this is a political move. It's a political move. It is a political move. Once certain people are back in office, back in the White House, all of this stuff goes silent. Think about it. It goes silent. If you don't believe me, Barack Obama was in office eight years. How many times did we hear, oh, we need to take this flag down. We need to take this statue down. We need to take this down. How many times did we hear it? We didn't. But now that somebody's in office that people don't want in office, we got to politicize this. We got to make it look good. We got to make it look like we're on their side. Really? Well, if you were on the right side, and if you thought there was a problem with policing in this country, then you would not just be speaking out about the black and brown people, as you put it. You'd be speaking out on this 457 from last year. You'd be speaking out on these 47 from this year, which I assure you, nobody, nobody knows their names. But 
I assure you, on the flip side, these 23 blacks that were killed by police, everybody knows their names. Now, granted, they didn't know their names before this. I assure you that, like the old song goes by Biggie Smalls, you're nobody till somebody kills you. Freddie Gray, Alton Sterling, both had criminal records, both terrorized their communities. Freddie Gray selling drugs, Alton Sterling selling drugs, raping little girls, doing all kinds of other stuff. Nobody knew their name until they came in contact with police, and police were forced to use force, Alton Sterling being deadly force. Freddie Gray, we still really don't know what happened to him, some kind of neck thing which came out that he had previous neck surgery, but the takedown was by the book, but yet it was police's fault. Yes, it was yet it was racist. Nobody knew Freddie Gray. Nobody knew Alton Sterling until they came in contact with police, and because they were breaking the law and police had to use force, now all of a sudden they're immortal. Now there's walls painted in their names. There's movements. There's all of this. But if all of these people that are speaking out against policing and speaking out how police do their jobs, if they would sit there for five minutes, for the five minutes that it takes them to preach all of this hate and division, if they would take those five minutes and do some research and say one of two things, oh, maybe it doesn't just happen here. Or, oh, there's a bigger issue when it comes to people interacting with police and we need to fix that issue. Because then they could say, while they're talking about having all these classes, then they can say, well, let's get with our police leaders and learn how we can keep ourselves safe when interacting with police. And I assure you, any community leader, the first thing that they're going to say is comply with the officer. I watched a video yesterday and the uh, the officer got fired. I can't remember exactly what for right off the bat. But at the end of the day, the individual that he was attempting to arrest was resisting like crazy. Compliance. Compliance. If you comply, if I say, sir, turn around and put your hands behind your back and I put those handcuffs on, you have complied. I didn't have to pull out my baton, my pepper spray. I didn't have to use soft, empty hand control. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to tase you. Nothing. Because you turned around, you put your hands behind your back, I put my handcuffs on, and I put you in the car. We're done. We're done. So maybe these churches and these organizations, first, do your research. Second, Instead of just pointing fingers, pointing fingers, pointing fingers, A, point fingers at everyone you're talking to because, trust me, there's some blame in there because parents aren't teaching their kids to respect law enforcement. They're not teaching their kids to comply with law enforcement. I saw it in the black community when I was patrolling. That's not being taught. When I was coming up, you best believe it was being taught. You better believe it was being taught that police are your friend. They're here to help. You listen to a police officer. You don't talk back to a police officer. You don't fight a police officer. All of that was being taught way back when. That's not being taught now. So if people are tired of what they say is an injustice, 
going on in their community, then A, you got to take accountability for your actions. B, you have to figure out, which you would have to involve police for this, First Congressional Church of Oakland, you have to figure out what citizens can do when they're interacting with police to make sure that everyone, not just a citizen, because we're up to 28 officers killed by gunfire this year. And again, if my math is right, that's more than the 23 black people that have been killed by police this year. And I assure you, in all of those 23, police didn't just show up and say, oh, there's a black one. Pow. Oh, there's another one. Pow. Oh, 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 one more. Pow. It doesn't work that way. But these 28 officers that went out thinking they were going to see their families that night, they got killed by someone that didn't want to go back to jail. And I remember the Baltimore County officer that was ran over just a few weeks ago by a black male with three other black males in the car because they're out robbing, burglarizing a home. She didn't just show up. She got a call about a burglary in progress. Now, had it flipped around and she had to use deadly force, right now it'd be another hashtag, another T-shirt, another NFL player kneeling because of this social injustice that they've been brainwashed to believe is happening in this country. It's time for my 10-7 segment. And I talked about 28 officers being killed in the line of duty by gunfire. And this one I talked about on Fox last week, I believe on Friday. Uh, And this one was kind of close to home. It happened in Dixon, Tennessee, which is just outside of Nashville, where I was a police officer. And it happened last Wednesday, uh, May 30th, 2018. Sergeant Daniel Baker was shot and killed while responding to a call about a suspicious vehicle in the area of Sam Vineyard Road and Tidwell Switch Road. Dispatchers lost contact with uh, with Sergeant Baker after he arrived at the scene and other officers were sent to make contact with him. His vehicle was tracked by GPS and located several miles away by an officer from another agency. His body was located inside of the vehicle. The subject had shot who shot him was found four days later and was arrested with Sergeant Baker's handcuffs. Sergeant Baker was a U.S. Marine Corps veteran and had served with the Dixon County Sheriff's Office for 10 years. He is survived by his wife, children, and family, including father and stepbrother, who serve as law enforcement officers with the Spring Hill Police Department. Sergeant Daniel Baker, I thank you, sir, for 10 years of service. I thank you for being willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice while out protecting and serving the community while responding to this suspicious vehicle. And just so you know, the individual that was responsible for this uh, had several active warrants. He had a long criminal history. Uh, The day prior, I think warrants were taken out against him for assault of his girlfriend who was actually involved in this. She's actually Uh, in custody right now as well. So yet another example of a hero going out and protecting and serving a community, but yet this hero gets no respect as many, many officers that go out daily 
in this country. They get no respect in the mainstream media because it doesn't fit the fashionable narrative of what's going on right now in this country. I want to thank you for listening. As always, thank you for listening and having this show grow. It's growing every week. I greatly appreciate it. And I will see you right here, same time, same place, RadioInfluence.com. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a dark to light with Frank and Beans quick fix on Radio Influence. You don't talk the same way anymore on online. You you just don't express ideas anymore just out of your own self, you know, the habit of not being able to or feel like you're not being able to to do so. We've seen this close up and personal on Twitter, at least in the past couple of days and in many different ways from the doxing of private citizens to the doxing of um, the families of people that have become public figures recently to um, the hypocritical nature of the feigned outrage over words that were said or typed um, and, and then to the outright threats coming from some just because they stated factual information that's available in the public sphere. It's really scary. It really is. And Tommy Robinson, whether you agree with him or not, like you mentioned in England, you can be walking down the street and there are cameras and recording devices picking up every word you say and putting you on lists. Dark to Light with Frank and Beans can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play and RadioInfluence.com.